There's a drive in Kelly for like serious self-worth. Get curious about sex. I'm not only going to woo my partner, but I'm going to woo myself. And then meditate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a monk. You're not always in control. And it was like pride, not have periods, not have emotions. I'm going to need to feel everything. I found in those shattered pieces my truth. We're just piling more shame and judgment on top of the original problem. You're sick. Your body's revolting against you. Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus. These are things that can be simmering on you that you don't know. And they're the trigger for your problem. Making the connection between your mind and your body, your emotional needs. That is how we heal. You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. How does breath work, movement, and play feed our healing and growth? We get into that today with my incredible guest, Amy Morrison. She is a therapist and XBT life coach based here in Colorado. And I found her by stalking her on Instagram, of course. And she is my new bestie. I respect the hell out of this woman. She is so incredible. You can find her at True Core Health on Instagram. And in this show, we talk about reaching an edge and understanding that We feel like we can't push past it or explore what's beyond that and how to navigate that moment. Unhealthy patterns, recognizing and moving through them. Discipline, inner child healing, permission to do what we want, self-regulation, calming down the body, co-regulating to feel safe. What is safety to even begin with? How the things that we've been doing for so long are not working for us and what we do when we get into doer mode the awareness and compassion that comes with this experience, finding ways to survive and attracting shitty guys. Why me? I love this incredible conversation. This woman really gets it. She's so grounded. She has that therapy background, but also the breath work, the mindfulness and the spiritual aspect. I cannot wait for you to hear this show with Amy. Before we get into that, Don't forget, Connor and I have a brand new show called OK Babe. We get into relationships, dating, spirituality, sexuality, all the taboo topics that no one is supposed to talk about. For some reason, we decided to dedicate an entire show to this, y'all. So make sure you head over to OK Babe and subscribe, leave a review. We would absolutely love to have you there and send you some presents for your kind words, of course. And before we get into this show... Let's hear a brief word from my dear friend, Ina, on the incredible energy work that she's doing and her offering for our community. Did you know emotional energy can get trapped in our body when we don't fully process our emotions? These emotions can become trapped due to trauma, bacteria, or illness, and cause several different issues. I'm Ina, and I'm a certified emotion code specialist. Emotion Code sessions are designed to help identify and release any hidden trapped emotions that may be contributing to anxiousness, physical discomfort, emotional discomfort, and even self-sabotage. Releasing these trapped emotions helps restore balance to the body so the body's natural healing ability is able to function correctly. This helps the body recover from the imbalance and strengthens the immune system. Emotion coding can help improve sleep issues, anxiety, depression, relationship issues, and so much more. I truly believe everyone could benefit from this healing modality. I've personally witnessed it in my own life through my struggle with chronic Lyme disease and with those I've been able to help so far. I've been able to help people from all over overcome issues of self-worth and even alleviate physical discomfort. If you're interested, head to inadale.com to book your emotion code session with me today and save 20% using code KELLY2020 at checkout. I'm so excited to connect with you. Talk soon. Okay, so we were just discussing kind of our intentions and our words for the year. I know you know mine is open. Mm -hmm. What is yours? Yeah, so I really identified with your open, right? And that idea of kind of feeling whatever comes up, you know, and I love that you talk about journaling and you talked about that, you know, on your solo session, but it was funny for me last year, my word was actually curiosity. So I wanted to be, I wanted to be ready for whatever came my way. I said, yes, a lot. I was very, you know, 
yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Not in the sense that I was overstepping my boundaries, you know, probably was, you know, cause none of us are perfect at that. And at the same time, it allowed me to have so many cool opportunities mm-hmm. um, that it led me to my word of this year, which is actually discipline. So <laughs> uh, I do really well with like the vision side of things. I'm like, oh, I have like all these good ideas and all these things. And I just noticed that my soul was craving discipline. Mm-hmm. And it actually ties in a lot with my inner child, like healing and working with that. So I'd love for us to talk about that too sometime today. But uh, just the aspect of, I was ready for it. I'm ready for more discipline. And it was a when I, when I came up with the word, right. That I wanted to, that I wanted to choose, it was, there was a little resistance because I was like, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> so it's a little bit easier for me to be curious, mm-hmm. you know, than to be disciplined, you know? So why yeah. do you feel like last year you needed that sense of curiosity and that feeling? Yeah. I, I honestly, I, th- I feel like it was giving myself permission to do exactly what I wanted to do, which was be open to what was coming up. And I have oftentimes like been hard on myself because I had multiple jobs or I had different things that I was following or trying out or, you know, I was joking with my supervisor today and I was like, yeah, so I'm going to start doing this. And he's like, okay, wait, what, how many things are you doing? (laughs) And, uh, you know, and and to me, that's like, uh, been really fun this year. And so this in the past year. And so now, you know, that was something that gave me so much insight into what I want to pursue mm. in 2020. Well, and it feels like sometimes we close ourselves off to so many opportunities or possibilities because we're too disciplined or focused. And it's like, what if I opened it up and then narrowed it after? Yeah, because yeah, exactly. I'm keeping myself from things I might really like or enjoy because I have to focus on this one thing. What if I just try it all, dip my toe in and then see what really gets yeah, me going? Yeah, exactly. We talked about it um, with my supervisor being more of a portfolio career. Mm. So I could kind of like open up my portfolio and be um, really honest about my experience and what I had gotten to do, you know? And so that to me was, was really fun. So you talk about doing so many things. What's on that list for you right now? Yeah. So I am in the process of getting more, um, essential, right? Like distilling what it is that I offer. And so I'll kind of, I'll start with the zoomed in version and I'll zoom out. I work with people in their self-regulation. So teaching people how to calm their bodies down, right? And so I do that in therapy. I work as a therapist. And then I also work uh, in breath work as a breath coach. I teach groups about breath. I do a breath class every week. And then I also do some fun uh, psychoeducation around anxiety, self-regulation, calming the body down Mm. in workspaces. So as a wellness consultant, that's something I do. And then I get to take people through ice baths and sauna sessions, which is like the more extreme version of self-regulation because a lot comes out whenever you actually tap into your neurological response in the ice and in the heat. Mm, Yeah. yeah, I I still have not done that. Yeah. We were just talking about Kimmy at Deuce in LA where Connor and I used to work out and Lord almighty, I love her, but I'm like, girl, no, I'm just not. I just, I'm not, not that I can't cause I totally could. Yeah, right. Yeah, but it's I just, just not right now. It's not what you want. Oh, cause it's like, I know shit's going to come up. Mm-hmm. It's so intense. And that's why Connor loves it. And he's like, you mm-hmm. get to a minute and a half and you're like, holy crap. And people will cry or emotions come mm-hmm. up. You don't, you have all your limiting beliefs, all these things you think yep. about. And it's just like, we're so much more capable than we allow ourselves to be. Yes. Like we hit that edge and then we believe that that's it Mm -hmm. and we can't push that boundary. But in reality we can. And it seems like that's what you're really teaching people, not only to calm Mm -hmm. things, but also pushing past their own edge and beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the importance of having a coach take you through, you know, the ice bath experience. You know, some people, they just hop in and they're like, I'm good. But I would say most people need that Mm co-regulation, right? So the part of the work that I do is uh, I, I kind of align myself with a theory as uh, the polyvagal theory. You've, you may have heard of it. Mm-mm. And part of what they talk about are one of the basic tenets of us being human and feeling safe is co-regulation. Mm-hmm. So we co-regulate off of an attachment figure to calm our own bodies and learn how to calm ourselves down. 
So if somebody has had a really unhealthy upbringing where they didn't have a safe caregiver, then they didn't really learn how to self-regulate. They didn't really learn how to calm their bodies down. And um, so with coaching, right, somebody's out there on the edge, you know, of the ice bath or of the thing that you're experiencing. And they're like, you're good. I got you. We're going to be okay. Mm. I'll take you through this. Right. Instead of, oh my God. Yeah. It's so hard. What the, okay. Yeah, sure. Get out. Right. There's a big difference in that energy. Mm -hmm. Something that I've talked a lot about in the last six months is this idea of safety. And I think for so many women, we just have never felt safe in our bodies, Mm -hmm. in our environment, in our relationships, any experience. It's like this detached feeling from who we are. Mm -hmm. We're not connected to our body. Most of us have experienced some sort of trauma that has caused that. Mm -hmm. And I think it leads to so many different issues and the self-regulation that you bring up is so interesting. Have you seen a lot of that in your own life and with your clients in that lack of safety and needing to even be taught what that means? Yes. Oh man, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Just the concept of safety, Mm. because that is what the polyvagal theory is. It is neurobiological model of safety and how we as humans are driven towards safety. So what's safe, right? Safe can be open and receiving and safe can also be closed and detached, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Your body is going to do the thing that it thinks is the safest. So for many of us, right, if we weren't taught how to interact with our arousal and our environments, shutting down was the safest thing you could do. You know, for so many people who experience sexual trauma or just even trauma in general, they're like, why didn't I run away? Mm why didn't I fight? Why, why wasn't, (laughs) why didn't I respond? And that's because of another aspect of the polyvagal theory. So we talked about co-regulation. A second one is the hierarchy of response. So as arousal increases, we as evolved mammals will kind of start with the social aspect. We'll be like, Oh, try to connect with this person who might, you know, be unsafe to me. And then, Oh shit, realize like I need to fight or fly. And then as arousal increases, and this can happen really fast, you can move into that shutdown mode, right? Mm -hmm. Where you are feeling so unsafe that the best thing that you could think to do is to shut down. Mm. Yeah. And then that, which for me, my, my intention last year was surrender and now it's Mm -hmm. open because I didn't feel safe my whole life to be in a state of surrender or to be open. I just wanted to stay in this box where I knew what the outcome was and do what everyone said and, you know, just follow that rather than be authentic to who I am and take a step out and really open myself up to the possibilities. And it's such a fucking shame because Mm. God, I feel like I missed out on so many things and I don't necessarily believe in regret because I think everything happens for a reason, but I, I look at my life and I'm just kind of like, I, I feel bad for myself mm. in the past. I've never verbalized this before, but I feel bad for her because she was so scared of just taking that one step and doing something off of that path, like coloring outside the lines, God forbid. Right. When that's really what I think my heart was longing to do, because mm-hmm. it's all I do now. So yeah. clearly <laughs> I'm like this free bird just coloring yeah. outside the lines. Feels so good. Yeah, but it's like, Gosh, it's just really sad because I think that this is where so many women are, especially our age. How old are you? I'm 30. Yeah, so I'm 32. It's like so many women I'm seeing in our community and our listeners, that is where they are. There's like such a, it's it keeps you from doing anything. It's mm-hmm. like it almost halts you mm-hmm. and you're just stuck. You're frozen and you don't know what to do because there's this fear of like, but what if I do that and I don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. and then I'm unsafe? It's such right. a mind fuck. Right. It's because you you didn't necessarily know even how to feel safe right. like within your own body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you, I know this is a very loaded question because there's a lot of ways you do this. You already said that, but how do you find safety and stability and peace in your own body? Mm-hmm. Like me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, it is related a lot to my physiology. So I have a deep sense of awareness of what it does feel like to be safe. And as I've experienced just more awareness and gotten in touch with what it feels like to be anxious or what it feels like to be dysregulated, Mm -hmm. 
I feel most safe when I'm choosing things that regulate my nervous system. So for so many people, you know, they're like, oh yeah, if I go for a run, if I do like a really hard workout, then I feel good. And it's like, well, yeah. And <laughs> I love the yes. And yeah. that happens so yes. much on this show. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, The reality is that that is stress, right? Mm. And not necessarily, you know, in the sense that all, you know, for, for what I tell people all the time is, you know, stress is good. It's, we need it. And it's kept us alive, right? To this point in evolution, but it, we have to change our relationship to it. So for me, I know that I feel safest whenever I'm listening to my body and attending to what it needs. Mm -hmm. So there's this concept of neuroception that we are detecting our environments without awareness. So for many of us, myself included, my neuroception was kind of on hyperdrive. And so I would be in situations where my defense mechanisms would be so high, right? And I had to learn how to calm my body down and regulate myself so that I could be in a yoga, yoga class and be calm and be receiving, even though my body was maybe feeling a little unsafe, mm. right? So I don't know if I'm quite answering your no, question, but- you know, for me, it feels like a lower heart rate, a softer gaze, a relaxed face. You know, it feels like I'm not in a reactive space. So I know that when I'm feeling unsafe, when I uh, my, my mind is kind of running and everything that um, is happening is negative. I'll be like, oh my gosh, like why do I have to meet at this coffee shop that's this far away? Why can't I just meet at the one that right by my house? Oh, why is this traffic happening? Why is this like light turning? It's happening to me. Oh, that person turned in front of me. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Quit the spiral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, let's check in. End scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> whoa. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, do, I have a you know variety of things that I do to kind of regulate myself in those, when I'm in those modes. I uh, put a post up and I talked about how I have such awareness around myself now that I didn't have before and seeing the thoughts and the feelings and the reactions that are coming up and really understanding them or just taking notice of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you were just saying. It's almost like you get this bird's eye view of yourself and you get to see the responses and you're like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. My body's freaking the fuck out right now over yep. something that really doesn't matter. Why am I so triggered? Why am mm -hmm. I spiraling? And that's such an interesting place to be because I didn't know that existed until like six months, a year ago. Mm -hmm. At what, what was the turning point for you to all of a sudden be able to have that perspective of yourself and slow down and tune in and see and feel what was happening for you? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I love that question because it helps, helps me remember mm -hmm. the why, yeah. right? The why behind it, like why I do things. And I think I realized that for so long, I moved straight into like fix it mode mm -hmm. or um, I call it action, right? So I went straight into action and, um, oh, I don't feel like I'm in shape. Great. I'm going to go five times a week and then feel better. Yep. It's like I learned, <laughs> thankfully, that, you know, I had this question and I asked myself like, well, how's that working for you? Mm. And, uh, it wasn't, <laughs> right. so I wasn't, there's a rude awakening. Yeah. Like I wasn't, I wasn't feeling that joy and peace and just sense of aliveness that I, I feel more tapped into now. And I feel the key for me was compassion. So awareness is the first step in this mindful model of change that I've I developed and talk about with my clients. And so we talk a lot about awareness, how to develop it, you know, where, you know, where do we feel it, where you notice it in your body using somatic awareness, mm -hmm. uh, knowing your past, right? Like knowing that inner child, what she needed or he needed and uh, just noticing that and like seeing, oh, wow, I'm reacting because I didn't feel safe when I was 12 in this situation. And the best way for me to respond was to uh, make a joke mm. or was to um, somehow be the best at what I was doing because then I, maybe I would get the love that I needed. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So if I can have compassion and tenderness on that side of myself, it really shifts the energy. So for me, it was like, Oh, mm. I don't need to act. All I need to do is notice 
and have compassion and understanding for, oh man, I see now why that's showing up. Mm. I see that. Yeah. I think something, I talk about this stuff and what I get a lot back is, but how do you even know, like, where do I start? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it seems so complex inner child work. People are like, <laughs> yeah. huh? You know, right. and I, I felt that way too. I was yeah. like, what does that even mean? I'm supposed to like talk to 12 year old Kelly. Okay. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I do it without even thinking about it. I'm like, oh, my inner child is wounded today, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, it can be playful, but I think for a lot of people, it's like, very complex, very big, very mm-hmm. um, overwhelming and kind of mm-hmm. scary to dive into that. And to even have that awareness, that is scary mm-hmm. because then that means you're actually being honest and looking at yourself. Yeah. What yeah. are small things that you have noticed really help with your clients when they're in that state of like, this is very new or overwhelming or mm-hmm. I'm not sure where to even begin? Yeah, right. And oftentimes their response is that reactivity, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, I want to control it. Or, oh, if I'm just like, eh, I'll be your best client. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I will work on this. And, you know, we get to touch on that too, yep. right? So I would say first steps are really slowly connecting with yourself instead of having these big expectations for the result, mm. right? So what if you just connected in the moment to what you're experiencing and what you're feeling versus trying to fix it, mm. right? Yeah. So it's kind of a first place we start, you know, and, and I, I recommend to people that they work with a therapist for inner child work, you know, the, that to me, um, yeah, I definitely have seen, uh, maybe some resources online. And I, th- I think there's an aspect of that work that you have to work on with a practitioner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that's where it needs to, needs to happen. The start of it. Right. I think you can, you can get more insight maybe with somebody else, you know, with a partner or, um, you know, with somebody in your community or even, you know, just through journaling. But I would say if possible, a good place to start is with a therapist. And if you can't do that, then you can start to look at photos of yourself and see yourself as your younger self and think about what they were like, what they needed. And even just asking the question of yourself, what did I need in that time of my life? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of people, when I start this inner child work with them, you know, and it doesn't look the same for every client, you know, every client is very different in the way that we approach it or work with it. And, you know, they'll say like, Oh, I had a great childhood. I had, I was wonderful, you know? And I'm like, okay, yeah, absolutely. You know, like mm-hmm. there were some really good parts and this isn't about bashing your parents or bashing your caregivers or saying like, Oh man, they like really fucked up and ruined your life. No, this is the reality of, we all have things that and needs that weren't met. Mm-hmm. And so we operate out of that space of, survival and seeking safety, right? So, you know, the, you figured out the best way to survive within your family system. And our job is to lovingly, tenderly care for that side of you, because guess what? It doesn't seem like it's working anymore, mm-hmm. right? Your yeah. response to your life and the stimulus that's coming at you, man, it's a, uh, it's not, that's not the vibe anymore. <laughs> How do you know, I don't even know that there's a tangible like way to know this or feel it, but how do you know you feel unsafe or you have inner child work to do? Hmm. Yeah. Is that a good question? I don't even know if that's a real question, but yeah. Yeah. Well, so, um, the sense of safety, right? So if you are constantly bracing, right, if everything's like tight, like for me, my shoulders are up by my ears, my back is really tight. My core is clenched. My belly isn't relaxed. I, I know I'm not feeling safe. Right. And that's just kind of a natural place I go to. Right. So we can think about physically, how am I responding? Right. Like, cause our shoulders going up our ears is protecting our neck. Right. Cause that's a really vulnerable space. And then, uh, physiologically, like my, my heart rate, my breath, my eyes, my ability to connect with other people. Right. And, and do I feel safe enough to do that? Mm. Right. That, that more physiological piece. And then that ties in with the mental piece of, am I learning? Am I engaging with my environment or am I just surviving? 
right? Am I in that, in that more survival mode? So those are more like some of those tells, right? That we can kind of get in touch with. Uh, for me, I have, okay, if I'm not cooking, if I'm not um, painting, if I'm not doing things that help me feel like slow and calm and joyful, right? I know that I'm not in that safer place, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then I will say, we all need to do inner child work. So the, when you know you need to do it is when you're ready to receive it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, if you're not ready, then don't do it. No. Like I'm not going to force it on anybody. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've had clients who've said like, ah, oh, that doesn't, no, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, okay, you know, and then we'll revisit it. And you know, they may push back a little bit and then, you know, we may come back to it at a later point. Right. And that isn't for me trying to like prove something to them. It's just a reality of like, are you ready? Oh, okay, cool. You're not quite ready yet. Mm. And, um, you know, I had a client this last, last year who was like, I don't get that. Like, why would I want to be kind to that part of myself? And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> so we're going to have to go a different route. Yeah, <laughs> Let's take a few steps back here. Yeah, exactly. And that's fine, mm-hmm. you know? And so for me, what I actually really love about inner child work is that it's, I call it like backdoor therapy because it's much easier to be kind to a younger version of yourself than the adult version of yourself. God, isn't that the freaking truth? Right? Like it's so much easier for me to be kind to like my little, like little girl, you know, she was trying to survive, like make her way through the world versus like, I'm, I can be so hard on my like 30 year old self, you know, but if I can tap into that kindness for that younger self, it's me. It's still me. It's all me. Right. And so it's, it's all coming back to me and it allows me to be kinder to, to me now. Mm. Right. Yeah. I like that because, and I was joking about this earlier, but I was totally serious about it. I, the way I started doing this work and I have a couple of therapists that I've been working with and, um, two of them actually are somatic therapists, which is really nice. I, there's one woman, um, I should connect you with her. You guys would love each other. Her name's Laura McKellen. She does somatic therapy in in LA. Mm -hmm. She actually trained here. Um, and then our, our somatic therapists, um, they do more sexological work, but Mm. they're in San Francisco. Yeah. But a lot of my stuff was of course like childhood trauma and, Mm -hmm. and wounding and, when I started to do that work, I would imagine this little girl who I was sitting next to me and I would just sit on the couch with her. I'd be like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Oh, you want to dance? Like, let's turn some music on. And I would just mm-hmm. dance and play. And I would, I would just envision that version of myself who felt so much anxiety, who had the weight of the world on her shoulders, who wanted to be perfect, who mm-hmm. if anything was out of place and she didn't get an A plus or someone was upset with her, she completely broke down. And I was like, that little girl needs play mm-hmm. and freedom mm-hmm. and fun. That's mm-hmm. all she needs yeah. pretty much all the time. Yeah. And a feeling of safety and being held. That's been a really big one for mm-hmm. me too. I didn't feel emotionally safe cool. or supported. Yeah. And looking at myself like that, with so much grace and compassion, I'm like, oh my God, sweet girl, let me just hold you. Mm-hmm. I talked to adult Kelly, like she's a fucking piece of shit. And I'm like, <laughs> right. what is this? Yeah. Like, you're gross. You're not fun. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. You're a failure. You're not going to succeed. You can't have that. You're not good enough. Those are the things I say to myself. And I look at the the difference between the two and it's so beautiful what you said. It's just like, they're the same person. Mm-hmm. So why can't you have that compassion for this current version of yourself right. and yeah. imagine what you could do with that? God, yeah. like it's right? mind blowing. I know it's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's where some of the biggest shifts have come for me. Even just recognizing how sad that version of me was and knowing that I have the power to reparent. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know a lot about reparenting. I know that's part of kind of the inner child work, but yeah. can you explain? Cause in my head it's, I'm literally reparenting myself. I'm acting like my own mother and I'm going through and like <laughs> yeah. doing the work, but yeah. I would love from your perspective what that is. Yeah. So it goes back to that question of what did I need when I was younger mm-hmm. and you get to go back, uh, you know, in time and in the present moment and care for yourself as you needed that 
that caregiver to care for you. Mm. Right. I think you said this in one of your other episodes, but you talked about, we always look for other people to heal us. Mm. Right. Um, you know, there's a really good podcast episode from Rob Bell where he talks about the last guru mm. and, you know, people are searching for their guru. Right. And to me, it's like, yeah, like go for that, search for it, try to find it, you know, like, you know, and like, absolutely. And, you know, what if you could see the things that you're seeking in that that other person and realize they're already within you. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, this is what I tell my clients all the time is sure. I have a degree, right? This is my career. And at the same time, you're the expert on you. Mm -hmm. So you get to know what you need and you get to figure out how to allow yourself to experience it and how to ask for that Mm -hmm. and care for that. You know, so as I mentioned, kind of in the first uh, part of our talk today, the idea of discipline, right? So I was raised in a big family. I'm one of seven kids. Wow. Uh, <laughs> no, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a, I'm the fifth. I'm the youngest girl. I have three older sisters, one another brother, two younger brothers. Yeah. No know. wonder you need to calm your nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it all makes sense. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. It's like the, the perfect explanation of a beautiful mess. Uh Right. Uh, and I adore my parents. And at the same time I get to say, wow, I really needed actually a lot more attention. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I get to give myself this year Mm -hmm. is that attention and that like someone sitting with me while I'm doing my math homework, like, no, do your fucking math homework. I'm with you. Let's go. Right. Versus, Oh, Amy's got it. She's fine. She's passing all our classes. Mm -hmm. Right. Very different energy there where it's survival mode. And then being in that like actual like choice activation mode. Ooh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, it gives you a sense of comfort and knowing that you can help yourself. Yeah. That you don't need someone else to fix you. And I think my whole thing this year has been like, I'm not a wellness podcast because I think one of my issues <laughs> yeah. in spirituality and wellness is that everyone's looking for a guru and someone to fix them. Mm-hmm. And I never want someone to come to me or to listen to my show and think, oh, well, Kelly will fix me. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I would love to be a bridge to yeah. resources and awareness and conversations. But that's what I did. I looked for everyone else to fix me because I thought I was broken and that I needed fixing. Mm, And my whole message now, now that I have that awareness is that you're not broken and you don't need to be fixed Mm -hmm. and you have the power to heal yourself Mm -hmm. and no one else is going to come in with a magic wand and do it for you, which is scary because that means that you're in control and have the power of that. Right. Even though you're not really in control because I believe that's an illusion, but that's the other conversation. (laughs) That's another episode. Yeah. But that's what I really believe. And it's, it's, um, such an empowering yet kind of scary and unknown place to be when you take that step and you choose for yourself, I am going to take this on for me. I'm going to choose me mm-hmm. and whatever path that looks like. But I'm so glad you brought up the guru point because I think that's where it, the waters get very muddied mm. and it gets a yeah. little dirty and I don't like it. Yeah. 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 And you know, like I said, we need to co-regulate, right? We all need coaches. We all need support. We all need, um, you know, somebody who's going to help us like come alongside. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I'm not completely against, you know, seeking out somebody who, you know, is in a different space on a topic than you. So it doesn't mean that they are older and wiser. It could mean that they just have a different lens, <laughs> different experience. Right. And what I love with your you know, conversation around the energy is that it's about you being the one who is healing and choosing that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not external, it's internal. So, you know, there is that uh, different energy with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I, uh, yeah, it's, it's so, it can be so different for so many different people. And I'm sure someone's listening now and they're like, no, I have a guru and it's changing my life. And I'm like, okay, you know, like I'm not going to like, do you girl? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, for me, I'm so passionate about people healing and growing and developing and changing that I'm like, yeah, let's, let's figure out what gets you there. Mm -hmm. Right. And also with a grain of salt, realize like, how are your tendencies impacting those choices? Mm Mm-hmm. How does personal responsibility play into growth and awareness in your eyes? 
well, it just has to be there. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so personal responsibility, I mean, it's so incredibly important that we have to come back to nurturing that side of ourselves that wants to abdicate that responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, who feels the need to go into, um, victim mode. Right. I talk about this all the time with my clients, especially a lot of my teen clients will talk about the analogy of like being in the water, like and waves are like crashing on the beach. Right. And there is the option to go under the wave, right. When you can dive under and like it crashes up over you, or you can get hit full on by the wave. And you're like, Oh, why is this happening? It keeps happening to me. Oh, these waves are crashing on my body, you know? And it's like, okay, where can you move into that personal responsibility and recognize that the waters are rough right now? So how do we like choose some aspect of that? So I think personal responsibility is so incredibly important and we all have different levels of it. We're all learning, you know, how to take more responsibility in our lives. And um, to me, there's like a different spectrum. Yeah. So if you struggle with that, then there's so much room for you to grow. And it's okay, you know, if the waves knock you down sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. And doesn't this go back to the awareness piece of even knowing when you're projecting or coming from a place of fear? Mm-hmm. That for me, that was the biggest thing in taking personal responsibility is realizing I was blaming other people for everything happening. I was stepping into the victim mentality. Woe is me. The waves are constantly crashing and my life's accident. <laughs> yeah. It's everyone else's fault. Yeah. I was like, oh, actually I am attracting this energy, these types of people, these circumstances, this is all my shit. Mm -hmm. So if I handle my internal space, then my external environment looks very different. And all of a sudden the waves aren't crashing so much anymore. They'll Mm -hmm. come, Mm -hmm. but it's not like a constant, like in your face getting punched. Mm -hmm. But that was me having the awareness of like, oh, I have a role in this. Yeah. That doesn't feel very good to do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, ooh, actually admitting. Like, I love when you make that noise. Yeah. It's really cute. It like brings me joy. Thank you. Yes. You can make a ringtone later. Yes. Uh, can you imagine every time you got a text? Ooh. I can't even do it. I sound like a weird ass dog. Oh, that's so great. Anyway. Anyway. Um. Yeah. And it actually is it. I think a great example is, and this is a space where you can step into that compassion side because a lot of women can, you know, say like, why do I keep attracting these guys that are shitty? Right? Like every dude is just like, not like he's man, he's just like, why can't I have a guy like John or whatever? You know, why, why, why does this keep happening? And it's a reality that that has been a really, simple and streamlined way for you to receive love and attention. So yeah, of course that's what you're seeking out because that's how you're, you're getting some love and care for yourself. Mm. So of course, you know, that's happening. Just notice it, notice that it's there. And how do we shift into the space of I'm choosing to love and care for myself and meet some of those inner wounds and needs and then moving out from that space versus a space of deficiency or, um, you know, the idea of feeling so like, yeah, you're in that, that space of a deficit Mm -hmm. scarcity. Yeah. Right. I've talked about that a lot with my clients who have anxiety Mm -hmm. is that is, you know, the concept of living in scarcity. What does, so aside from attracting wrong people to you, a scarcity mindset, how does that manifest in people's lives? I feel like it can show up in a variety of different ways in work. You know, like I have to stay here because this is the only job for me that I can do. Okay. So that sounds like you're really scared, right? You're more in that um, I, you know, I do, I use a lot of, um, like a, <laughs> when I'm sitting in my session with clients, you know, I'll have like a water bottle close to me and like, you know, a tissue box and I'll just start grabbing things that are close to me and be like holding them to myself and be like, this is all I have. And this is what's going to be happening. This is my life, you know? And it's like, Whoa, what if you could like open up your arms, put those things back where they are right. Not grasp onto the things that are right in front of you 
and have a little bit more trust that there could be more out there. You know, that's stepping into a little bit more expansiveness and abundance versus living within that minimal like scarcity model. Mm. Right. So kind of work based you yeah. know, in your, your career, um, you know, also, you know, relationship based, like I mentioned before, oh, well, I'm with this person because they um, are giving me the attention that I want. It's like, okay, yeah, got it. And that's meeting that internal need to feel loved. Okay, so how do we love that part of yourself and then help you see what you could get? Mm. Yeah. What is at the core of what everyone wants? Ooh, that's a good question. I've never asked anyone that, but I was like, oh. I, I really feel so tied to the concept of safety. Mm. We all just want to feel safe and loved and, you know, that we can be alive, right? Survive. So we operate out of that space of seeking safety. So for some people, being in an abusive relationship is what feels safe because that's what they know, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where we get to operate out of how do we teach you what an optimal human looks like whenever they're not in that space of scarcity and survival, but they're seeking safety in like the healthiest way they can. Damn, that's so good. When people are shifting out of these mindsets, which I, I get it, it feels very aggressive and you're going like full 180 from one side of the spectrum (laughs) to the other. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm so scared to, I'm so free and I feel amazing. Mm. Yeah. That's like a really far way to go. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it's realistic. Right. right? Like I, I tell people all the time, like I want all the parts of you. Like I don't want to just like get you into this, like butterflies and rainbows, kind of like what you talked about in your last episode. We need both the dark and the light. Everything belongs. Everything remains. We just shift our relationship to it. And we decide, you know, who's driving, right? Who's driving the train. And for some people, it can take years. Some people, it takes months, right? And, you know, what I tell people all the time is be patient, be tender, be kind and compassionate in your growth. Because, you know, for me, I'm a practitioner in this, right? I've worked on this stuff for a while and it still shows up for me and it will my entire life. You know, sometimes things happen and I'm like, Oh, hello. <laughs> old friend. That old friend. That's I that thought I myself. locked you in the basement. <laughs> what are you doing up here? Why are you here? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It's like, oh, hello, old friend. You know, like, welcome back to the table. You're here, right? So this is just a process. It's just a different way of thinking about yourself versus honestly getting away from that extreme mindset of either being in extreme darkness or extreme light. This is like, that's not where anybody should live. We need both sides of ourselves. Well, and I think too, I'm a very black and white person and I'm learning to live more in the gray, but I'm like, cut it off, move on, forget about like, I'm this new person and I'm like, move real quick. Right. Connor is not like that. He moves way slower than I do very much in the gray area. Like, let me feel it out. Let me take baby steps. And I'm like, what are you doing? But what I've learned in being with him is that it doesn't have to go fast. I'm not, there's nothing to reach. There's no like end point. And I'm always so, I'm so focused on achieving something, which I'm learning is not what this is about. And so it's showing yourself grace in the experience. And if you see people that you admire and look up to and they look like they've got it all together and they have no problems, that is not real. (laughs) They do. Just like you said, social media is not real. Yeah. Even people who are teaching this and working with clients, you still have the same things, maybe not as bad or as painful, but different stuff will come up and be triggered. And it's in those moments, showing yourself compassion and grace and knowing that it's okay. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, what I tell people all the time is like my childhood, my upbringing, the way that I was raised, that's not going anywhere. That's not going to change, you know, all of a sudden. Right. But my experience of it and my elevation of it is different is what changes. Right. So, um, you know, give this example of maybe having this spot right on the ground. And, you know, if you had a drone and you were circling around it and at first you're kind of like bumping up against grass and weeds and dirt and mud, and then you start to gain elevation over that issue, over that, that problem. 
And that's through compassion, awareness, noticing, right? And then just increasing your elevation. You're getting higher and higher and you look down and you're like, okay, it's still there. My, my, it's not changing, but I get to change my height and my response to it. Mm. Yeah. I know you, you were talking about like calming your nervous system. And I, I want to go back to that because I think that it's really important because the question I get a lot is how do I know if something's a yes for me or a no for me? And I talk a lot about feeling into your body and what that feels like mm-hmm. and practicing that we're not going to just all of a sudden wake up one day and have full awareness of what's <laughs> right. good and bad for us. Yeah. But for me, it feels like a yes feels very expansive and a no feels very like contracted in my body. How do we, within our nervous system, have that awareness and know what, I won't say right or wrong because I don't really believe that, but what feels like that choice or what feels like a different choice. Mm -hmm. And when we can, even if it's scary, still lean into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you're asking a little bit about boundaries, right? Asking when something's a yes and when Mm -hmm. something's a no. And then when we are a little bit afraid of something that's a yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for making a question out of just the words that spilled out of my mouth. It's all good. Yeah. (laughs) I will say breath work is a great channel to be able to connect to your body on a deeper level and connect to your awareness because our breath is a part of our autonomic nervous system, right? So I always say autonomic, think automatic, right? Our bodies are going to keep doing it (laughs) because it's what keeps us alive. Mm -hmm. So we're going to breathe in whatever position we put our bodies into because it's for our survival. Mm. Yeah. So we're going to breathe in a hunched over crouched position, right? Because it's going to keep us alive. And we're also going to breathe in like an expansive space where chest is open, belly is expanded. One of them is a little bit more optimal than the other. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing, uh, you know, I always think about the quote from Victor Frankl. He talks about the space between like freedom is, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but freedom is found in increasing the space between our reactivity and our response, right? So being, giving ourselves like more openness, like more freedom. You should actually look, look at that quote. Cause I just okay. butchered it, um, is, you know, freedom is found in, you know, increasing that space between, um, the stimulus and the response, right? So some people, something happens and they snap, like something, you know, they respond right away. But if you increase your amount of mindfulness and your amount of awareness, you can actually increase that time of response. So your yes is a slower yes and your no is a slower no, right? So we're just slowing down that response and giving yourself the space to actually respond in the way that your body wants you to respond, right? So if you're used to saying yes a ton, if you slow down your yes, you may recognize that it's a no more often. So that's something I struggle with is I will have an answer immediately. Like I'm like, yes, no, I, I just answer quickly. Mm -hmm. And I struggle because I don't, again, I don't know that it's right or wrong. Maybe that's just how I operate. But if I take time Mm. to come up with an answer, then I'm like in my head and I talk myself out of it and I get almost, I get in my head rather than in my body. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good example. And I love that you bring that up because that is another piece of this, right? Because there was probably a while where you didn't even realize you were acting out of a yes or no. You were just going, right? And so now you have more awareness of your body. So you have a more better understanding of when it's a yes and when it's a no. Mm -hmm. And so for you, it's trusting the yes and the no. Right. So all of these things are just tools, you know, that I don't have all the perfect ways to do it. Right. I'm not the guru. And, you know, I have some tools that I tell people like, okay, if you slow down your response, if you kind of listen to your body, then you can hear, oh, well, I'm really good at hearing whether it's a yes or no. Oh, well, it sounds like you're not really trusting Hmm. that yes or the no. That's actually super interesting. I'm having flashbacks to childhood right now. Mm, I never trusted myself. Mm -hmm. I would always ask other people, specifically my mother, everything. 
can I do this? Should I do that? How do I handle this? Never trusted my own thoughts. And then all of a sudden it's like this huge shift in the last year, year and a half where I don't ask people because I just have this inner knowing and I have this awareness and I'm able to have an answer and I go with my gut and it doesn't always mean it plays out perfectly, but it feels right for me at that time. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting shift to feel and I wonder if maybe that's just why it is because mm-hmm. I spent so long not trusting myself. Now I trust myself so much. I don't have to ask. Mm-hmm. I don't have to take the time because yeah. I have the awareness. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, and you've done a lot of inner work, right? Like you've done some really good work on yourself too, mm-hmm. to be able to feel that yes and that no. Mm-hmm. And I would say like, I'm more in the camp that you're in as well is like, Oh, I knew that was a no. And I knew it was a no. And I still said, yes damn it. You know, like how do I, (laughs) how do I help myself, you know, when I'm in those situations? And I mean, even today, you know, I had to be honest with somebody because I had committed to something later tonight after I teach my breathwork class. And I just, I sent her an email and I was like, Hey, I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to have to, I'm not going to be able to come uh, because of this. Right. And I just was like, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, that this is just a reality for me right now. And I think that we need to be really conscious of when we're doing that. And so I will say that um, it's important to stick to your word, like be in integrity with, with that. Yes. Right. Because then it allows you to be fully present to those events that you say yes to, or those things that you say yes to. And so for me, I'm like, Oh man, I have been saying yes a little too much this week. And I'm realizing I needed to protect that a little bit more. Yeah. Why do you think we have, I think this is a collective belief that we can't trust ourselves. I feel that it could be a variety of different things, right? So maybe we weren't taught to trust ourselves. Maybe a lot of people made decisions for us. You know, maybe we, um, haven't been able to forgive ourselves for decisions that we've made. And, you know, maybe we focus a lot on our failures and what's happened to us, right. Versus feeling like we, we have that active space of control, you know, in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like trust is a really tender thing, right. And it's something that has to be built within yourself And, you know, I say this with couples and parents um, and teens all the time is it's trust is given. It's not necessarily just always earned. Right. You know, so many people are like, well, you have to do all these things to get me to trust you again. And it's like it's also an energetic release of I'm going to trust myself because that feels really good Mm. versus we abdicate responsibility so often because actually being in choice is, is more painful. You know, like you said, stepping out of that victim mode and being aware and being connected is way more challenging. It's way more rewarding, but it's way more challenging than being in that um, reactive abdicated space of like, eh, whatever. They told me to do it. So it's on them, not me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things that I've had to learn is that I can trust myself And I am worthy of trusting myself and I deserve to make decisions for myself. And it was, I think so much of that was living as a robot, like a robot for so long yeah, and just doing what other people told me to do. And then all of a sudden I woke up one day, I looked at myself in the mirror and I did not know who I had become. Right. Yeah. I had become this perfect figure that everyone else had made me <laughs> right? a yeah. well-known TV host and this great daughter who did all these things. And the friend that did, you know, the girlfriend who was like this and would chameleon to however you needed and right. never asked for what she wanted. And I just became this, like, I, I don't even know this inauthentic Barbie doll, I think is how I felt. Mm, yeah. And I looked at myself and I did not like myself. Mm. And then I started to question why, Mm -hmm. why not? What am I doing? Why is my life this way? And then it was the personal responsibility of, I chose this. I chose to let them choose for me. And right. If we slow down and come back to, well, that was what I wanted to do to get love. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That was what made me feel safe. And Mm -hmm. this was what made the most sense for me Mm -hmm. to be, you know, 
the achiever, mm-hmm. right? To to be the one who was like on it all the time, who like perfect, right? Looked good. Okay, that's how I get love. Because right? who am I without that? Yeah. Oh. And I believed I was nothing. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting to be in the space that I am now in this world where the attention is different and it's not about that. It's about service and connection. And I realized that I love myself and like myself for the first time in the last year. This has really come together because I choose for myself. I am authentically who I am. I don't give my power away. And I've dropped into this self-love rather than constant need of validation. Mm, yeah. And I think that also I would be curious to get your perspective on how this feeds into codependence, not just in relationships, but just in how we operate in all walks of life, codependence and needing attention and validation. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, codependency shows up a lot in romantic relationships and friendships, right? And it can show up in, in work relationships too, right? This idea that your emotions and the way that you feel is based off of somebody else. So in all relationships, right, we need a level of intimacy and we also need a level of different differentiation, right? So what that looks like, um, I love the example of, um, you know, from, from a ways away, you see a green basket and then you start to walk towards the basket and you realize it's actually yellow and blue fibers that are just like kind of woven together. Mm. And you recognize that, oh, they're separate and they're joint, right? Oh, and they're very, very useful. They create something that's really powerful for the world that allows it to be used, right? A basket is helpful. And so that, you know, can be what a romantic lo- relationship looks like, right? Is this I am me, you are you, and we get to exist separately and together. A lot of us are really good at one of those things. I'm very good at differentiation, <laughs> not so good at different, at intimacy, you know? And so some people are very, very tied to intimacy because it's um, that deep sense of connection with somebody is again, like how they feel loved. And that's not wrong or bad. It's just a reality of what they stepped into and they lose themselves a little bit because, you know, your idea of connection with someone is interdependence right on them. Yeah. Is that what you were kind of getting at? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I just think, I don't know. I think there's so much connection and overlapping of patterns within everything. Mm. So mm-hmm. the constant attention and the codependence and how that shows up in your relationship and also at work. And I guess this brings me to the point of when, and I said this earlier, but when we heal and work through our internal space and environment, everything around us changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the point that I got to. It was work that brought me to that point. Yeah. I was like, this noise is not good. And then I saw it in my relationship and then yeah. I saw it in how I just walked around in the world. Yeah. And I had to take a very hard, honest look at myself and yeah. say, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think it's important that we also recognize, you know, if people are in the midst of that journey of, creating that differentiation, right? Creating some healing and separation. If you are in an unhealthy environment, that can be very intimidating to the people who are around you who are not healing and growing, right? Yes. And so you can begin to be lambasted. You can be attacked. You can be, um, you know, just shunned, right? Even to that level, because of the fact that you are working on yourself and you're healing yourself and you're saying, no, this actually is not healthy for me. You know, I think about, um, triangulation, you know, it's a, it's a typical pattern within your relationships is if I have a problem with Kelly and then I go tell my, you know, we have a mutual friend, Julia, right. I'm like, I go talk to Julia about my issues with Kelly. Right. It makes me feel better about my issue with you. And so I've triangulated the situation but I actually haven't solved anything, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So once we begin to actually say, hey, Kelly, I'm noticing this and I you know, I feel upset about what you said to me. I don't know, I'm just making something yeah. up. <laughs> we haven't known each other long enough for we me to piss you off, I don't think. <laughs> literally just met, so <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Give it a week, girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find a way. It's all good, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about it. Anyway, so the reality is, is that 
if you have the depth of a relationship to be able to handle that level of feedback, then wow, you can grow so much. Mm. But if they, if you start to kind of push back, right, you give feedback, you give all these instances in relationships that are not healthy, then you're disrupting the system. Mm-hmm. So you're messing up that cog. And <laughs> now the whole clock is like, whoa, what the fuck? You know, it's, it's funny you say that this is, I actually, Connor and I got in a pretty big fight the other day and Oh my God, you guys fight. Oh God, girl, do we fight? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, two very strong personalities, very enjoyable (laughs) that who work, who work together, who run a company together, who have a show together and it's just lovely. Oh yeah. Um, I said to him, I was asking him all these questions and he's not very good at verbalizing, especially in those moments, what Mm -hmm. he needs, how he's feeling. He just feels very chaotic. And I actually am the opposite. I'm very clear on my emotions and what I need and how I'm feeling and good at telling him, which he takes as criticism <laughs> that he does not like. He, I'm just laughing. This is I know. very familiar. Oh yeah. So he gets very angry at no, me because no. he's like, you're coming at me. You're criticizing everything I do and blah, blah, blah. But I sit over there across the couch and ask for criticism, mm-hmm. which is not something that I've, ever been good at because I wanted to come across as perfect and I wanted Mm. everyone to praise me and tell me how amazing and whatever. And so now I realize because I've kind of worked through a lot of my stuff is that that is the most amazing way to grow is to hear where someone else is coming from, hear their needs, their values, their own wounding, and to know whatever I'm doing is not in alignment with that. And hearing honest feedback. And mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't even call it criticism. I would say honest feedback and just sharing about right. where you are, especially in relationship. And he, we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> he's working yeah. on it and he's, he's becoming a lot more open, but I don't even know where I was going with that. But I guess it's just the idea of being open to criticism in order to grow. And I, I have found that that has been so such an integral part of my healing. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you guys have the depth of a relationship to handle that, yeah. right? You just like all couples or all relationships, you know, you go through your shit, right? And that's a reality. And the fact of the matter is, is that there are things that both of you can do, you know, to be, to be better for each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. you get to, to work on that. And, um, because you have the depth of, to be able to, talk about what's coming up. Yeah. And I think it just, it comes back to honest communication and being open. Mm -hmm. No one is perfect. We're all going to do something wrong. We're all going to piss our partner off. Like Mm -hmm. that is just life, but being open to hearing how you hurt someone's feelings or how you're not understanding them. Mm. Yeah. His thing is that he feels like he's not understood and not heard. Yeah. And so I'm like, give it all to me, babe. Like just <laughs> lay it all out. I want to hear everything so that I know, because the more I understand you, the more I hear your heart, the more I can show up mm-hmm. and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. And that's really, really helped me of not feeling bad about myself or beating myself up, yeah. but knowing this is, this is a part of the growth and the, the honesty that's necessary. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, for him, you know, it sounds like maybe if you were more specific versus saying, give it to me all, yeah. right? Give it like all. Like I said, what do you right? want? And he's like, what the fuck does that even mean? And I was like, oh my God, why can't you understand this? But I think you're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. It's too yeah, broad. Cause, Cause it makes, I mean, that happens to me all the time is that like, um, my mom does this to me. I love her and I, I've given her this feedback, but she'll be like, how are things? What's going on? Tell me everything. And I'm like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> I don't, don't want to do that. Anyway. So, you know, with our, you know, partners, it's like, Hey, I'm noticing that maybe you're experiencing this of me. It could be this. I'm just curious, like, what can I do to hear you out better? Mm. Right. And it's like, maybe he can't tell you today, but maybe he can tell you tomorrow Mm -hmm. because it takes him some time to think about it. Well, yeah. And I'm the asshole that needs the immediate answer because I can (laughs) give it to you. I'm like, oh, let me tell you. I think on the time, like, (laughs) let's go. And he's like, I can't come up with the words right now. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? But that's just not who he is. Oh, I sound like a terrible girl. No, no, it's so funny because I'm just laughing and I'm sure I hope other people are laughing in their cars right now because it's like, 
Yeah. Uh-huh. Because they're maybe experiencing that from their partners or they are that to their partner. Right. right. And I, yeah, it's just, it's just knowing how other people process and God, I put so much pressure on him sometime and I feel so guilty about it because I want him to be like me and process Ooh. like me. Yep. And that's not fair. Mm. He doesn't make me process like him. Yeah. He lets me go upstairs and cry and play my, you know, special <laughs> music. Dance. Yeah. Well, that's so funny because, uh, something, a big lesson I feel like I've been learning in my, in my relationship with my husband is that I have, have been learning, you know, this is very imperfectly to step back and pull my ego back because you know what you just said, like, I want him to be like me. Yeah. I, I definitely have struggled with that. Right. It's like, well, come on, come on. You know, like I'm on this level, you know, and it's like, it's not that I'm on a higher level. I'm just on a different space, right. Than where, than where he is. And so his level of functioning is at a different space than compared to mine because we're all different humans. Right. And I have experienced a lot of freedom in our relationship by just being like, Oh, okay. Like that's you, like you get to do you and I'm not going to strive to make you like me because that's been what I've been processing through is not pulling myself through the ringer mm-hmm. and like getting myself, you know, giving myself a ton of shit for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Girl, I could talk to you all day. I know. This, this is, is amazing. So good. Yeah. I love when I meet people. Sometimes I get scary. I'm like, okay, someone's coming over. I've never met them. I'm going to have them on the show. Well, this is real weird. <laughs> you're a delight. And then, <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, it'll air next year. <laughs> I've had yeah. to do that a couple of times, actually. It's, it's rather painful. You're so amazing though. You do <laughs> so much you. good work. I love Thank your message. You. you have the best personality and you live 10 minutes away. So I'm very excited oh, about this. This is going to be great. Yeah. Thanks for being my new now friend. I know where you live. I know. <laughs> You're going to be the creepy person down in the basement. Like I'm here. <laughs> I'm ready to record. You'll be like, wait, yep. what have I created? <laughs> but seriously, thank you. I yeah, really appreciate you being here. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.